Lebanon is an almost proverbially bewildering country. Its governance is a shambles, its politics volatile, its infrastructure barely functional, its economy an agglomeration of often ingeniously improvised responses to its general chaos. And this week, almost as if daring to wonder how much more screwed up things could get, Lebanon, all of 32 kilometers wide at its narrowest point, briefly had two time zones. What? 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 What's the point? Why do that? What? I don't even know what it means. What? I understand that. We will get into that shortly, but first, this broadcaster feels obliged to insert a paragraph in defence of a country which, despite all the aforelisted, is a splendid place to visit. Lebanon is beautiful, the food is fantastic, the wine superlative, the people hilarious. If you haven't been, you should go, and if you have, you should go again, especially now that everyone has agreed if they can agree on nothing else what time it actually is. What happened was this. Lebanon had been scheduled as usual to move its clocks forward an hour early Sunday morning in order to embrace daylight saving time, as many European or near-European countries generally do on or around the last weekend in March. However, this year the onset of daylight saving more or less coincided with the beginning of Ramadan, an interregnum many Muslims observe by fasting from sunup to sundown. Lebanon's caretaker Prime Minister Najib Makati decided to postpone daylight saving for a month so that he and his fellow Muslims would spend one hour less every day being hungry. He seems to have been prompted by the Speaker of Parliament, Nabi Berry, an 85-year-old former militia commander who has, to put it charitably, probably served his country long enough. Some backing music to distinguish a footnote here would be good. It should be conceded that there is an argument for punting daylight saving to the other side of Ramadan. Lebanon's roads are alarming at the best of times. Not for nothing is the car horn otherwise known as the Lebanese brake pedal. The traffic becomes much the more terrifying when many of Lebanon's famously frolicsome motorists haven't eaten all day and are hastening home for dinner occasionally in the personal experience of this correspondent with a whimpering guest adopting the brace position in the passenger seat. <laughs> a recap of Lebanon's curious political settlement is necessary if we could now have some necessary recap backing music. When Lebanon, as we now understand it, gained its independence from France in the 1940s, steps were taken which it was hoped would deter Lebanon's rich mix of religious communities, the country recognises 18 of such officially, from conflict. The most cursory survey of Lebanon's history will demonstrate that these steps may not have been thought all the way through. A convention nevertheless holds that, at any given moment, Lebanon's Prime Minister must be a Sunni Muslim, its President a Maronite Christian, the Speaker of Parliament a Shia Muslim. At the moment, due to an ongoing political crisis which would require several more of these explainers to put the faintest scratch on the surface, while Lebanon does have its Sunni Prime Minister and Shia Speaker, the Christian President's chair is empty, as among the very long list of subjects upon which Lebanon's parliamentarians refuse to get together is who should succeed the previous President, Michael Aoun, whose term concluded last October. 
Anyway, Prime Minister McCarthy does not seem to have asked around much before announcing his abrupt postponement of daylight saving. While all public institutions were obliged to go along with it, McCarthy is, after all, in charge more or less, many private institutions and businesses, especially those run by Christians, decided that they would stick to the original kickoff. The results were roughly what might be readily imagined, i.e. Lebanon being plunged into yet greater havoc, an accomplishment akin to making water wetter. We were at a house party last night and looked at our phones. One showed the clock as 1.20 a.m. and the other was 2.20 a.m. It was like, what is happening? We wondered if it was the alcohol. No, is it the alcohol? Judging by social media, many Lebanese responded with the droll yet surreal sense of humour they have had to develop over the years, but the irritation and concerns about inflammation of sectarian tensions were real. They create problems to deepen the division between Muslims and Christians because those in power are the ones benefiting from the people's dispute. So earlier this week, McCarthy took the hint and announced that Lebanon would, after all, put the clocks ahead at midnight Wednesday, and we hope our Lebanese listeners are already making the most of their longer evenings. While many of Lebanon's many problems are specific to Lebanon, rancor over daylight saving is actually pretty widespread. The United States is still toying with passing the Sunshine Protection Act, which would adopt daylight saving permanently, and the EU has wrangled for some years with the notion of fixed time zones, but is having difficulty deciding where the zones should be and what time they should be fixed to. This week did see Greenland take the plunge and move its clocks forward for the last time. It will henceforth observe daylight saving permanently, thus delaying December sunset over Nuuk until as late as half past three in the afternoon. Yay. Yay. Wow. What a result. Here in the UK, meanwhile, one dauntless voice of reason, i.e. the foreign desk explainer on Monocle Radio, has spent this first week of deliverance from a long, gloomy winter, insisting that life in the UK would be vastly improved by moving the clocks permanently forward two hours at least. Apologies to any vitamin D-starved Scottish goat herds who may be listening, but greatest good for the greatest number, etc. For Monocle 24, I'm Andrew Muller. 